0: Hello, my name is John Brink and we are on the Brink downtown, the capital of Northern BC, Prince George, and it's a beautiful day, a little bit of rain, but uh, otherwise a beautiful summer day. It's uh, uh, close to Canada Day. It's about, I believe, the 28th of July, and uh, another two days from now, it's Canada Day, and so it will be very, very nice. I have a special guest today, Alex McKenzie. Alex, Hello. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, John, man. I'm so excited to be here, dude. Tell me a little bit about your past, your background. Are you from the area here?
1: I am. So I was born and raised in Prince George, grew up here uh, in College Heights. So I played, uh, you know, played, grew up here playing hockey. So I played rep hockey all through here. And I think I'm like a, a third generation pulp miller. okay. So like my grandpa worked at the pulp mill here and then my dad worked at the pulp mill. And okay, that's where I ended up.
0: So what did you do then? You training, you went to school here, yeah. then, then did you take, uh, where did you go from, you did high school, where did you go from there? Yeah, so
1: I did like, I went to college high secondary, I graded in 2006, okay. and then from there, uh, I remember my parents were like, you're not taking a year off. Yeah. They're like, you're going right to school, and they came and they brought me a bunch of different programs from CNC. And they're from the college here. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, pick these, whatever you want to do. And it was like, I want to do power engineering, but I wasn't able to get in that year. So what they did is they're like, I got me into the pulp and paper technologist program. And then they're like, okay, hey, take this. And in then, the
0: college of New Caledonia? Exactly,
1: yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did not had that. Yeah, it's gone now. I think they got rid of, I think it was the last year. They did it for like okay. three years. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I did that program, uh, graduated, and then basically as soon as I turned 19, uh, I got hired at the pulp mill at PG Pulp, okay. and then I started working on the pulp machine.
0: As a power engineer?
1: No, just as a pulp and paper technologist. Okay. So I was doing that, and then I worked in that area, because what happened was uh, the pulp mill will pay for you to do your power engineering. Okay. So you can bid into the different areas of the mill. Right. And then once I got into the steam plant, so I worked as a laborer, like an operator, yeah. on the pulp machine for two and a half years. Then I was able to get into the steam plant. Once I did that, then I started doing my power engineering. Right. So I did my fourth class. Ed- And you did that also at the College of New Caledonia? No, so that was through BCIT.
0: Oh, so then you went to BCIT?
1: Yeah, kind of. So it's like kind of an extended learning. So what you do is you do it here. So they give you 18 months, they give you all the books, and then you would do modules. You would have to write tests online. And then to do your, uh, they separate into part A and B. So once you finish part A, you actually had to go to a testing center. Okay. So I actually went down to BCIT and wrote the test there. And then once you pass those, then uh, you got your certificate from BCIT and then you were able to go and challenge the provincial test.
0: Okay. So that's kind of a form of work and learn all at the same time and get to your degree of power engineering then or what was it? It's just like a certificate. certificate. Yeah. So
1: there's layers. So they go in like a fourth, third, second, first. Okay. And it's just however far you want to go. You start on four, then you go to three, two, one and it just, depending on what level of certificate you get okay. of competency, you can be in charge of bigger boilers. Yeah. So then you can run a bigger boiler, yeah, yeah. Huh.
0: And, and so you did that, so then you worked at PG Pulp? Or where?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I worked at, actually I ended up at Intercon when I was doing the steam plant. So
0: when so I So just for a guest, we yeah. have something like four, uh, pulp mills. See, we got uh, PG pulp, we yeah. got uh, uh, Intercontinental, uh, and then we got Northwood, yeah. which is really two. two they have one and, yeah. and one. Yeah. So uh, and then we have more uh, pulp mills in the region than yeah. that. But those are the ones in Penjorits. Yeah. So. So how long were you there? Oh, the at the pulp mills. Yeah. At Twelve years. Twelve years. So you became then first as a laborer, then from there, and then you climbed up in yep. your uh, and and so uh, gradually you went up in the management structure.
1: No, like it just. I always stayed uh, in the operation side. So I always stayed right. with the union. But yeah, yeah. what it was was I found that you know it was always the next thing. I was always waiting for the next thing to make myself happy. Like yeah. I was like, oh, once I get my power engineering. Yeah. Um, that's what it'll be and then I'll be able to I, I wanted to move I really wanted to get to a bigger city right uh, I was hoping to get to Vancouver is kind of right. what I always wanted my family had a place down there that we right. would go and vacation at right and it was uh, I loved it so I wanted to get to a bigger center and then when I finished my fourth I realized it was mostly northern Alberta that you were gonna be able to go and work yeah. and it was always shift work because those boilers never shut down. No,
0: they go 24-7, Exactly.
1: Right? So I was like, I don't think I want to be... Like, I didn't like... I was five years in working nights, and I was like, this is killing me. Like, staying up and yeah. going between nights and days. How away. old were you then? Ooh, 20, 24, I think. I think it was 24 years old. Spitty young, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. still like... You know, it was only... Like, there's guys... My dad worked shift work, I think, for...
0: You know 20 years before but at the same time you know like the position that you were in and the progress that you made you're a pretty solid job there for a lot of people they say okay you know at 24 i'm pretty well established in the operations and uh, make good money uh, and uh you know, probably buy a house, get a wife, get kids and everything and you set for life, right?
1: Yeah, well, that's where I was going. Like, you know, I, was, I had a mortgage by the time I was 20. Yeah. You know, I had a new truck and then you're just like, get all the toys. I you got like, a made. Dude, I bought, dude, I got a brand new jet ski, snowmobile, dirt bikes. I was like, this is. How much better can I get? I feel like I won the Redneck Olympics. You know? Exactly. You're like I got it all. Um, and then what happened? I was unhappy I was like you're just working to pay like it just felt like I was just working to pay bills and you know what honestly it was pretty fun for a while until things started breaking because then your machine started breaking and things broke and then you were so financed you didn't have the money to pay for to fix them and now you're paying for something that's broken and I'm like do I need a new truck do I need all this and the what I kept telling myself, I was like, you know what, if I could get on to day shift, I was like, day shift, that will make me happy. Steady. Then, then it's steady because I, I also was unhealthy. Like I was eating, I was eating very unhealthy and I was like gaining weight and I was looking at myself. I'm like, you used to be an athlete and now I'm like, dude, you're like 60 or 70 pounds overweight. Yeah. And you know, and I was like chewing tobacco all the time. Not and, good. Yeah. And then I always told myself, I'm like, oh, I just need to get on day shift. That'll fix it. And so I bid on an instrumentation mechanic apprenticeship. Yeah. So I did that, and then that was like, you had to go into a pool of people. I think some initiative came out where the mills got something for training apprentices. Yeah. So then they, what they did, they released like 30 apprenticeships all at once. Yeah. So there's a big pool of people that all bid on them. And then the one thing that happened was to get the instrumentation apprenticeship, you had to have higher certifications yeah. than to get a mill writer. Uh, so you had to do like a testing. And yeah. you had to score higher on the test to be able to get these apprenticeships. Yeah. So I was fairly new at the mill to yeah. be able to get an apprenticeship. You know, a lot of guys worked there 15, 20 years sure. before they could get one. Yeah. I was only there five years. But what happened is the only one, like not many people scored high enough to get the instrumentation. And so those there were four of those available. And I didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't want to do instrumentation. I wanted to do like electrical or I wanted to do... I kind of thought about mill writing or something, but I wasn't too sure. And uh, anyway, I got the instrument apprenticeship and I was like, okay, well, this will be fun. And I ended up taking that. And it was, uh, it was really fun learning. Like I love learning. Did you
0: become one of the four that got it? I did, yeah. So I did that. So then I- Amazing.
1: Yeah, so I did that and I got on to days and then I started working. It was Monday to Thursday. So you had every Friday, Saturday,
0: Sunday off. And then that's when Now finally you hadn't made, huh? Eh? Yeah, that's and exactly. you're set for life. Exactly. I'm like and now. You gotta be happy. Yeah. And all the things that need to be fixed get fixed and yeah, 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 Alex yeah. finally happy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now now good I'm good.
1: No, well you know what happened. The thing was I found as long as you're going to school, like when you're working towards something, I think that's ha- I think that's what happiness is. Like I think having something look forward to and you know what i first time i ever had that thought and i don't know how i forgot it so i was a young boy i was in high school and my girlfriend broke up with me and it broke my heart and i that was the first time i ever felt like really sad like very sad about something yeah and then i remember in the coming weeks i didn't want to get out to get out of bed to go to school and i was like why are you so sad what was it about this lady and what it was was i realized that every morning I would wake up and I was excited to go to school because I wanted to go and see Denise. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see Denise. And yeah. And So when we broke up, I lost, I, I woke up and I was like, "What? Well, I don't have anything to look forward to. Exactly. And that's what I started to notice. So when I was doing instrumentation mechanics, I loved it because yeah. I was working towards something.
0: I was a going goal. to school.
1: I had a goal. I had something I was trying to yeah. achieve. Yeah. And then it was like, as soon as I achieved it, that's when I remember, like, driving home from Vancouver, finishing, it was a four-year program at BCIT. Yeah. So you would work, uh, you would work, like, nine months of the year up here. Yeah. And then for three months, you would go down there and you'd stay in the dorms and you would go to school. And uh, then when I finished that four-year program and then I finished my interprovincial and I got my red seal. Yeah. It, dude, it was like, I was like, is this it? Like, I remember driving back, Prince George to go to the mill and I was like you're done like it's now you're gonna be coming through that door to go work that job do the same thing every day for the rest of your life now unless you change something
0: yeah yeah and then what happened
1: well then uh, I was getting close to 30 so I think I was 28 at that time and as I got close to 30 I started to really question like what did I want to do with my life yeah and I think where I got lucky I always say is I think that I got to a mindset at 30 that most people get to at 40 Yeah. where you realize, because I started so young, like I had a mortgage at the age of 20 where yeah. a lot of people get that Exceptional around 30, easy, right? right? And I realized that exactly the thing, you're always chasing the next thing. And I realized it's, you're never going to be happy chasing the thing. Yeah. Um, was that I think if I would have waited till I was, 40 I wouldn't have been able to quit my job. So what I did next is I I started asking what I wanted to do So I started going to therapy. Uh, the mill was very lucky. They had like a EFAP program, so they would pay for therapy. So every week I would go and do therapy and uh, That's actually where I found out I had ADD, which I hope we get to talk about That's why I think this podcast is gonna be fun two guys with ADD. Yeah, you know, we're gonna be all over the place I like it. Yeah, so that was um that's where I started going to therapy, and then, you know, I quit drinking and partying and started really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with Did my you life.
0: already find out then that you had ADAD?
1: So, I got diagnosed with it, I'm trying to remember. I believe I was, like, 26 yeah. when I got it. Like, people were always very skeptical, like, from the moment I was a kid. Yeah. They're like, this guy, like, you got something. Kid.
0: There's something strange <laughs> yeah, about yeah. him, right? This kid
1: never stops talking, and you yeah. can never pay attention. Like, he's talking about this, and then yeah. he's talking about this. He's all this. over the place. Yeah. 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 So, that was always a thing. And then, yeah. well, I was very depressed. Yeah. So, that's what it was. I was very sad with my life. I was just yeah. couldn't figure it out. And that's when I finally started being like, hey, well, maybe I should try some meds or something. Yeah. Because I really put off that idea for years and years. And then I got diagnosed with ADD, and then they gave me pills, and I took them for a weekend. And I was like, I remember I built a deck. (laughs) Dude, like you did them, and you were just so laser focused. And I finished this project that I was like trying to get done for, you know, two years. And I got it done in like three days. And then, but I didn't like it. Like it just seemed, I was like, I don't want to. It didn't feel right, right? yeah just it just any idea that you're gonna have to take something for the rest of your life to be a certain like it just seemed not
0: natural yes and and i
1: didn't i'm like dude there's got to be a better way to do this like if i just like i'm like you know i got to start working out i was like maybe start reading some books like get good sleeps like watch what you're putting in your body like nutrition you know like i'm like eat healthy and i'm like there's got to be a way plus i think I don't know. That's where the ideas come from, man. Like all the ideas seem to come from up there, and it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I. I don't want to get rid of them. I think it's it's like a, an added bonus, you know. Yeah. It's just learning how to focus that on to what is productive. Yeah. Right. That's why I always say I don't think ADD describes a disorder. Like, they say, like, attention deficit. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm like, it's not that I can't pay attention to things. It's just that it's
0: hard to control what you're paying attention to. Exactly. And you just got to learn to, like, focus on it. Exactly. So, now you were still at the pulp Mill. That's right. And you were still working on the career. Yes. You had now found a way you were working days. Yeah. Mainly, you made good money. Yeah. And now you're still thinking, bitch... Where do I go from here because I'm really not all that happy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so what it was, uh, you know what I think? A lot of it it just seemed, it didn't seem challenging enough. Like it didn't, like even doing instrumentation. And then it was just, one thing that was very bad that I let happen was I let the pulp mill make me think I was lazy. Yeah. Because those, what happens is they kind of, especially in that environment, it kind of bred... a lack of hard work I, I don't know if it's through the union or what or yeah you know I, I try not to ever talk bad about the pulp mill because it did give me everything and I'm very grateful yeah. for it yeah and I mean my dad spent his whole life there yeah and you know I've met a lot of amazing people that work out there and it's very admirable what they do um, but I remember when I first started at the mill on the pulp machine so we used to have to do a thing called repulping yeah. So we used to have to take a bale of pulp uh, that was off grade and you'd have to repulp it. So you would like cut the put wires off and put it back, to, put the it back to the system and they'd try remake it. Yeah. Now, minimum was 52 bales a day. You had to yeah. do 52, it was 48, something like that. And I remember I started doing 250 bales a day. Yeah. I was just like, oh, sweet. Like, and then I remember the guys came up to me and they're like, hey, Alex, we noticed you're doing a lot of bales. So I was like, yeah, dude, I did like 50, or did like 200 That's good, something right? a day. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, no, no that's not good it's not good no. <laughs> and, and I was you're like, putting other guys out of business exactly yeah. so they're like what you're doing is you're showing they're gonna start expecting all of us to be able exactly. to do that yeah so they're like you know what you do is the Slow minimum down. they're like you're doing the bare minimum every day yeah. and i'm like what and then what was the weirdest part was they would get you to sit in the lunchroom and do nothing but then they would call you lazy yeah then they start going dude you just sit around all day they're like look at you're on your phone doing nothing and I'm like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Like you guys are all telling me I'm working too hard. And then when I'm not, you're calling me lazy. Yeah. And I just started becoming, I noticed that 10 years in. I'm like, dude, I'm becoming the guys that I didn't want to become yeah. at the mill. And I'm like, yeah. I have to, for my soul and my spirit, like I got to get out of here. Rethink my life. Yeah. yeah, and so then I found comedy. Then comedy, dude,
0: that saved my life. How can that happen though? Now, you had something, you must already have something about that. I remember myself that, uh, you know, the, uh, I had difficulty interacting. That was long before I had uh, found out that I had ADHD, but... I had, I had no self-confidence. I felt I was a failure because I failed grade three, grade seven three times mm-hmm. and, uh, in Holland and, uh, you know, and then came to Canada and then wanted to start over from the bottom and then build a sawmill, all those kind of dreams. On I had to kind of start over too. And then, but one of the problems that I had is if I t- had more than two or three people to interact with, that didn't work for me. And, right. uh, and then I became so self-confident, and I could not have a good conversation, really. And uh, it was part of confidence. And then somebody kind of dragged me virtually to Toastmasters. Okay. And and uh, I won the first meeting, and then it was my ex-sister-in-law, and, and then, I said no i'm not going to go there well she said just go you sit there and you watch you know i said is anybody gonna ask me a <laughs> no yeah. and then somebody said to me okay m- maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and what you and and i oh my god so <laughs> i was not gonna go back there and how bon- old were you when this happened john this was well in my late 50s already you so know, you so.
1: already had, had the sawmill all of oh yeah
0: I was successful. A lot of people said, "Oh, you're so successful!" I didn't feel that at all.
1: Right. So you, even though you had that much success, you still struggled
0: with the self-confidence. Yeah, for
1: for sure. Do you think that that was a driving force behind what you do?
0: In in a way, it was, uh, you know. But the the issue, underlying issue, was still dealing with the ability of feeling that what I was doing, I was as good as anybody else in that. What I was doing. I was doing well at what I was doing. I never thought it was good enough. Right. I could have done better. Right. You know, not not money thing. It was simply right, accomplishing right. what I was doing. And then I went to the second time to Toastmasters, and then I fell into the groove at Toastmasters. I was with Toastmasters for virtually ten years, right. and I became a distinguished Toastmaster, which is the highest level in Toastmasters. Yeah, and and. Uh, and and I started to do more public speaking, and it, it gave me the confidence that I needed. That I knew I was okay, right. you know. And and uh, you know, so to me, that was a very very important part of my life. actually. Right, the Toastmasters. Know? Yeah.
1: So how do you feel with this, podcasting? Well, I, I love it, you know. You so love
0: it? yeah, I uh, you know the uh, uh, all of that uh, you know the right up to the nineteen nineties, and then from that point forward uh, you know the the whole interaction that I did then became so much different because I had the self-confidence I was okay and then uh, you know the uh, the benefits of Toastmasters I always believed that that was very very beneficial for me in terms of not so much in self-confidence although I did that too but what Toastmasters does in a way it it but some people may think it is is becoming a good speaker right that's not what it is okay become a good listener right is the more critical part and then speaking is part of that as well and and thinking on your feet and all the things and the reason that i raise it because what comes to mind when i talk to you about being a a comic uh, mm-hmm. or uh, you know the uh, uh that you stand on stage and mm-hmm and although you likely have a script in your mind, but you never quite know what will happen, yeah. and it draws on you instantly to respond in a way that, A, has to be funny in a way, and, and but at the same time to have that confidence and knowing I'm sure, at least I believe I'm sure, that once you're there standing on stage and you have all those people, hundreds of them in some cases, yeah. stand, sitting in front of you, and you have to preform. Yeah. You cannot freeze. No. You cannot say, mm, I don't know. You know, well, you can if it is funny. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so the same is actually with me, is what I'm doing now with you. you yeah. saying in podcasting, I'm. I'm, there's always a little bit of anxiety, but not really, uh, because I know I can have the conversation with different people, and I feel comfortable in doing that. Yeah. And uh, you know, but I like to know, you know, from you at the same time that being having self confidence is important. Mm-hmm. Being a good speaker is sometimes more delicate. Because the greatest fear that most people have, even more than death, is to have standing on stage and be a speaker or public speaker. Yeah. I have no particular anxiety about that and I'm probably one of the more active speakers in all kinds of different settings. Oh, totally. And and I feel comfortable with that. But in your case you know, from being the guy that sits in the lunchroom and they say, you're lazy, and then you go the other way and you work the way you think you should be working. They say, you're working too hard. And then saying, what am I doing here? You know, yeah. so, but then making a choice in terms of saying, you know, something, I'm going to be, how do you call it? A comic? Uh, a, a comedian. A comedian. Yeah, or a comic, you can yeah. say, either way. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's quite a step yeah yeah so and then you know how do you even start that and so so you must have had something about you that makes you sharp quick quick in terms of uh well
1: i think add man i think that's what keeps the brain i think that's kind of what i'm driving towards yeah that's because but but
0: i have that with uh you know being in in podcasting situations uh, or in other settings you know like uh this morning I had a fairly important meeting with about oh, six or eight different people. Yeah. I didn't really know them. It's a fairly important meeting, yeah. but I know that I will do well right. in that setting you know, because I, uh, things happen fairly quickly in my mind in terms of uh, you know, kind of... The processor speed, right? You're yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you, yeah. Know
1: what, you know what i noticed, what I always kind of give it credit to as well, something that I always was really drawn to is video games. I always really liked video games and I think it's the amount of stimulation yeah. and it's rapid decision making. Yeah. So like I found something, I really like hockey yeah. and what it is, it's that rapid decision making. So when you're on the ice and you're yeah. playing, it's literally just decision, 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 decision. You're just yeah. like, do I pass? Do I All shoot? Do time. I pass? Do I skate? Do I go here? Do I go there? Yeah. And your brain is constantly taking in information, yeah. computing it and then outputting. I'd... And I love it, dude. Yeah. Like if I get to do that, you're like, ding, 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 and you're just yeah. trying to figure it out. And you're good at it. Yeah, well, that's probably why I love it. I don't know how that works, Where it's like, yeah. are you good at, you probably generally or naturally drawn to things that you excel at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in hockey, I didn't always make the right decisions, so you end up with a couple concussions, but. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, but, yeah, that but, slows the thing down a
0: little too. So, so how does this all start? Becoming, so comedy comic, actually. How started. did you, you know, now, now you say, okay, I'm gonna have to redirect where I'm going. I'm not gonna yeah. go there, I'm gonna go there. What is my passion, yeah. which is so critically important, right? Yeah. So what I always say, attitude, yeah. passion, work ethic, right? I like what it. follows success, yeah, right? And and then, so you have the the passion. The next book that I'm writing, actually, we have started that process. Really? The book, uh, ADHD Unlocked, will come out two weeks from now, I think, on uh, July the 15th. Yeah, I've been following your post there. I'm excited for it, man. I'm, the next one is finding your passion yeah, yeah. especially precisely what we are talking about is that for so many young people but not young young people but also uh, young adults are searching for where do i go mm-hmm. what do i want to be what will i want to become mm-hmm. and and then the, the making the right decisions is so critical because if you don't there are many 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 people and we all know them are out there they say you know something I hate my job. Yes, but I can't quit because uh, you know, like uh, the mortgage, the kids, and this and that. Yes. And, and you know, yeah. what a life to live! I know.
1: Well, that was the thing. Like, I, I saw a lot of people at the, the mill, and the, when I started there, the first thing I did was ask people, I was like, hey, if you were my age, what would you do?" That was the first thing I asked everyone I worked with, and everyone was like, "I wish I bought a house sooner." Because they all were like, dude, I rented for 10 years and just threw yeah. that money away. They're like, I yeah. wish I bought a house sooner. Yeah. And then uh, what was some of the other things? Ooh. Oh, I wish I started a savings account sooner. They're like, I wish I did RSPs yeah. sooner. So first thing I did, I was like, okay, hey, go and set up an RSP account. Yeah. And like, let's start figuring out how to get a house. Yeah. And so then I did that right away, like within the first year of work in there. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the people not finding their passion. That, I think that's amazing. I'll, the work you're doing is great, man. Like helping people. You've you know, obviously done a lot of work through your life and soul searching and figuring it all out. And for you to be sharing that, like, you should be very proud of that. And it's very admirable what you're doing. I have a lot of business questions for you.
0: I like. I don't it. know
1: if you want if you Shoot. want me to finish the comedy thing or if
0: you want me to ask you business stuff. <laughs> you can do you can do whatever you okay, want I'll, to do. I'll
1: quickly do the comedy thing and then yeah. I want to ask you okay. some
0: stuff. well, uh, I want to know more about the comedy. How did you get on the saying? Okay, but well, this is what I'm gonna do. Okay, yeah, yeah. you know, stay with me. Alex, like because I'm gonna be a comic, and so
1: yeah, is the stage. It literally started just like this. So my buddy what kept bugging me. He goes, "We gotta start a podcast, dude." He's like, "We have to start a podcast. It's so cool." And this was like probably nine years ago, you know, like they weren't that big yet. And like, a, like, you know, I think he just listened to a lot of Joe Rogan and he really was like, Oh, let's do yeah. this. This is cool. Let's do a podcast. Cause he always wanted to talk about, and it was very good. It was like talk about the bigger questions in life or ideas or that type of stuff. And uh, so we started a podcast. We called it address this mess, which, uh, and we would talk a lot about like world issues or political and that type of stuff. And what ended up happening is we wanted to look bigger than we were. So we went on Twitter and I bought us like forty thousand fake followers that were just robots to make our account look bigger. And then what happened was uh this comedian from New York saw our thing and was like, dude, I would love to be on your podcast, yada yada. So we're like, Okay, sweet. So we set up a meeting over dude, how did we have to do it? It was crazy because there wasn't Zoom or anything back then. We had to do like When was this? This would have been in like Ooh, it was probably, I guess, right before I started doing comedy, probably about eight years ago.
0: Yeah, in the early stages, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. So, we had, I had a little studio that I set up at my house in in uh, Aberdeen, there in Prince George, here. So, I used yeah. to live up there. Yeah. I set up a little podcast studio in my house, and we had like a webcam set up in the corner. Yeah. Looked like uh, almost like a convenience store security camera just looking down yeah, yeah, at yeah. us, like yeah, a, yeah. a couple of perpetrators. And uh, we ended up, I think we had to use like, I don't know, I didn't even have Facebook, honestly, back then. I, uh, maybe it was a phone call or something, and we had to put him on speakerphone next to a microphone. Yeah, yeah. And we interviewed him about being a comedian. What's yeah. it like being a comedian in New York and all this stuff? And it was that uh, I mentioned on air that I always wanted to do comedy. I was like, I love stand up comedy. I grew up watching it. I used to always come home from school, put on Channel 34, and I'd watch Just for Laughs in Montreal. And I used to just like watch it, and you would like learn the guy's jokes, and then me and my buddies would like quote them back and forth to each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time my grandma, I was out with my grandma, I was 12 years old, and I was repeating Russell Peters jokes to her. And she was like, Wow, you're really good at that. Like, you should do this. Wow. And I was like, Grandma, like, I could never do it so i'm like it's easy to tell other people's jokes like i could never write my own right and uh yeah fast forward like almost 20 years or whatever but it uh i mentioned i want to try it now someone from prince george here heard that on the podcast so his name was brian major and he wrote into the show and he said, hey, just so you know, there's a group of like, because what I said is I always wanted to try it, but I'm like, I live in a small town in Northern BC and there's nowhere to really do it. Well, then Brian Major wrote into the show and was like, hey, dude, there's like a group of four, four of us here, four to six of us that we kind of go down to. It was, um, is it Alfredo's? It used to be across from the soccer field. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we go to Alfredo's every second Thursday and there's an open mic and we do comedy. They're like, would you like to come down? And they gave me a date. And I was like, well, I've always been talking about it. Like, I got to man up now. Now now it's it. Yeah. So I spent the month just writing what I thought was five minutes of the funniest material I could come up with at the time. And I went out and delivered it. And it went very well. Like, because you bring all your friends. It's your first time doing comedy. You tell everyone all your friends come out. They're very supportive. Yeah. And uh, it went really well. And then they next were like, hey, once a month, Nancy O's brings in a pro from Vancouver. And uh, we all get a chance to do five minutes to open. Like, would you like to try to do that? And I was like, for sure. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. And then it just kind of progressed. Then I like, I could get on stage once a month, but you don't really ever progress at that rate. Like it's way too slow to be doing something once a month. You're never going to get that good at it. Um, And it was always kind of a hobby. And then... What ended up happening was the Sonar opened up here. So Jason Luke, I believe, opened Sonar in Prince George. Yeah. Now that was our first full-time comedy club that we're bringing in and doing like four or five shows a week. Yeah. And now I was able to get on stage every week. Yeah. And then I started meeting more and more of these comics that were, I'm like, wait, like, this is a job? Like, no one told me this was a job. Yeah. And I met these people that this was all they did. Yeah. And then... I was very lucky. I had a guy, Brett Martin is his name. So he was a comedian out of Vancouver. I love you, Brett. Uh, he was the first comedian ever to take me on the road. So yeah. he came up here, watched me, and he was the first guy. He's like, dude, you're really funny. He's like, you could do this for yeah. a living for sure. Yeah. And he was like, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I was like, oh, I'm nothing, man. He's like, well, I'm, I'll tell you what, he's like, I'm doing a show in Kamloops. I want you to come and open for me. Yeah. And I was like, I'm there for sure. So oh got my in my cr- truck.
0: <laughs> is that tomorrow? That was tomorrow. So, no. Yeah, yeah. How about material?
1: Oh, well, I, I just it had my, my same material you do here. So I got yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, And I was like, I'll go down there and I'll do that. Yeah. And it was a real litmus test. Because when you're here, it was... You're always performing in front of people you know. Like, I grew up in the community. You yeah. always know someone at a show or some yeah. people in... Generally, for the most part, people are rooting for you. They're like, "Go,
0: Alex!" Like, "Good job." You kind of focus on that guy because he's supportive, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: So, and like, then you know they're gonna laugh, which makes it easier for other people to laugh, and then everyone kind of joins in. However, uh, then you go on the road, and you're like, nobody here knows you at all, and you have no support. No, how does your material hold up? Yeah, and it went well as well as it could. Like the thing is with comedy is you're always getting better so your bar is always higher you know like when you first start you're like if you get a laugh in five minutes you're like I did it I got a laugh yeah and then it just becomes like you want more laughs and faster and yeah you know but so I did that and it was it was great and then uh originally my plan it wasn't even to do comedy I still wasn't quite sold I wasn't too sure about it didn't know and then my i was just so depressed and upset with life that i thought that i got to a point where i was like this is never going to change like i was complaining before i used to think that we needed like social reform yeah i was like the government needs to do this and this and this and i was screaming about everything that was wrong in the world that needed to change yeah and then I eventually realized, I'm like, dude, you can do this your whole life. Yeah. Or you can take control of your life and make a change now. Exactly. So then I was like, you know what? I'm quitting my job. I'm selling my house and everything. And my original plan, so I started an experiment called Life. And that was, uh, because I think I chose that name because I'm like, I think life's an experiment. And the solution I'm looking for is my happiness. And originally, I was like, I'm just going to buy a camper van with me and my dog, Finley. Yeah. And we're going to drive to Central America yeah and I'm gonna go live on a beach and rent surfboards yeah and that was that was it and I was like and I'll film the whole thing and I'm like I'll try and make a vlog out of it yeah. and see if I can make some money that way and find right. that and uh, and then what happened is I went to list my house for sale and this was in July and I had a realtor coming on the Monday how long ago was that so that was 2019 no 2018 yeah 2018 I was like four I'm done. years ago yeah and I was like I'm not doing another winter here I can't do it yeah and I'm like I'm selling everything and I'm getting out of here the sunday i went to go check through my house make sure everything was ready for the realtor to come look on monday go in the basement and all you can hear is running water It flooded yes so my water main burst under the house like between like so i shut the water main off and you're like it didn't stop no and i'm like oh no came from under there yeah so yeah. then i had to phone the city they had to dig up the front lawn and here i was defeated I remember going to my mom in tears, like at the house crying. I'm like, I am never going to get out of here. Yeah. I'm like, because now I'm like, I can't sell the house. I can't do anything. So I'm stuck here. And I was so deflated. But then, you know, later, like, I think this has become something I've learned through business. I want to talk to you about is it seems to be like, learn to embrace failure and embrace upsets. Like, it seems like those are the things if you can find a way to fail as fast as possible or be wrong as fast as possible. Right. I like that saying. What do they say? They say if there's like two hills and you don't know which one to attack, yeah. they're like, just pick one and start going. And yeah. as soon as you realize it's the wrong one, turn around and come back and go the other way. Exactly. So it's like rather than sit there like, which one do you do? Yeah, like, exactly. So when that happened, I was like, I'm, this is catastrophic. I was so defeated. But then again, it turned out to be the best thing possible because what happened was... I was like, okay, let's think of the good here. It's an insurance claim. You're gonna get the basement all redone. So yeah. you're gonna have a brand new basement yeah. to sell the house, which is gonna add way more value to it yeah. now that you're selling it. And uh, the issue, I'm like, okay, now you gotta stay in Prince George another year while these repairs get done, cause it's gonna take months. But I was like, that's okay. I'll play hockey for one more year because I played, so I played senior men's. Yeah. So it's kind of like after junior hockey, if you still want to play competitive, but yeah. you're not good enough to go pro, yeah, yeah. you can play seniors. So I played for the Quinell Kangaroos. Yeah. And what ended up happening, I showed up at training camp in August and I was just way too fat and unhealthy and I got cut. Yeah. So now I was really sad because yeah. I was like, now yeah. I'm stuck in the <laughs> north and I'm not playing hockey and yeah. I'm stuck here and all yeah. of this. Yeah. But what ended up happening out of that was I always told myself, I said, play hockey as long as you can, because you can only play hockey at that level for so yeah, long. Four hours. And then I'm like, when it's done, I'm like, do comedy. Yeah. Because comedy you
0: can do, you know. It always it, was in your mind, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it was just like, uh, you could always do this thing. It, it, yeah. There's no age limit. There's no anything. You can do it, you know, in a, in a wheelchair. You don't yeah. need to be any physical uh, health type of thing. So I was like, let's do that. And then what ended up happening was uh, I just emailed every headliner I knew and said, hey, I um, kind of want to start taking this comedy thing serious. If you have any gigs, I would love to open for you. I was like, I don't care if it costs me money. I'm like, yeah. I will fly myself to Edmonton yeah. to get to open for you yeah. to lose $200. Like, yeah. you know, I don't care. I just yeah. want to learn the ropes and how to do it. And I was very lucky and I found a mentor in Simon King. So he is a stand-up comedian in Canada. What's your Simon King. Okay, So he's been doing stand up for almost 20, 22 years or something. From Vienna. He's from Vancouver. Okay. And he was very, he was amazing. So he's like, Alex, if you're serious about this and you'll work hard, he's like, I'll teach you everything I know. Yeah. And so I started mentoring under him. He started teaching me how to do bookings. Like, I was like, how do you, how do you get a show book? How do you yeah, get on the exactly. road? How do you, how does this all work? And he showed me everything. And I basically became his booking agent where I would phone these bars and be yeah. like, hi, uh, my name's Alice McKenzie. I'm representing Simon King. We would love the opportunity to come and put an event on at your venue. Would you be interested in hosting us? Yeah. And I started working that out and you learned pretty quick. You were like, dude, if you can get 50 people into a bar to give you 20 bucks, like that's a thousand bucks. Exactly. So it's like, hang on. I'm like, so at the mill, I'm like, I'm making like 4,200 a month after tax. I'm like, if I can sell like say six of these shows a month, yeah. I can be making what I'm making at the mill. Yeah. And... doing something I love, like telling
0: jokes. Exactly. And I'm like,
1: that's not even that hard. That's not work. Exactly. So I'm like, let's figure this out. Yeah. So immediately the comedy thing was like, okay, even if I can't get funny enough to do it, I can see the business model here. And I'm like, let's figure this out. So then the plan quickly changed to like, let's not go to Central America. Let's not live in a camper van. Let's get an RV, something a little bigger that we can live in full time. And let's start doing the comedy thing. And then it came out like over the winter, I just started, I spent that whole eight months really learning how to do it. And then started, got the house all ready. Ended up going to list a host for sale. Uh, You know, I was, Simon brought me on a tour in March. uh, And it was my first time doing a full tour. So I flew to Edmonton, uh, met him there. And we did like, or flew to, yeah, it was Edmonton. And then we did like Edmonton, Calgary, like, uh, not Lethbridge, somewhere, Tabor, I think. There's a bunch of places. We did like a five-show tour. I took a couple weeks off from work to go do it. And I was like, this was, that was the funnest time of my life. Wow. And I remember going back to the mill on Monday and I was trying to figure out, I was like, Hey, here's the thing Alex: You have to sell your house and all this before you quit your job. You yeah. can't quit your job first. No. Make sure the house is sold and you have everything in order. Yeah. And I got back on Monday after that tour and I was sitting there at seven o'clock in the morning and turned to eight o'clock and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And I remember I walked up to HR and I was like, Hey, uh, I wanna quit <laughs> and they're like Are you crazy? You, well, you know what the funniest thing was, John? Yeah. Is it was April Fool's Day. Yeah. And I didn't know that. It was April first. Yeah. So they they're like, Oh, you're such a yeah, comedian, funny, Alex. Yeah, yeah, you're so yeah. funny. Like yeah, you, yeah. and I was like, No, like I want and they're like, Oh, you're serious? And I was yeah. like, Well, like not today. Like whatever, when can I quit? When is it yeah. okay? Like two yeah. weeks? What do you want? And so we decided it would be best if I waited till May because you got your vacation. Yeah. And then I remember it was like, you know, came around to like May 1st and then I put in like two weeks of vacation. So my official ending date was like May 15th or something. And went What year are we now? 2019. Yeah. So 2019, now I had quit my job. My house hadn't sold yet. No. And I, and I bought an RV, which-
0: yeah. I, Were you happy with the house? With the house, the, what happened to the basement, and you got it all fixed Well, up? that was the thing. Yeah, so when it came yeah. back, it was, uh, ooh, um,
1: Reve Renovations. I'll give them a shout out. They, yeah, yeah. they did a beautiful job fixing yeah. it all up for me, and it was yeah. amazing. And they, uh, yeah, I was so happy. So I got yeah. that, and then I got uh, Denise Dunn to list it. Yeah. And she, they put it up, and I was like, okay, hey, three Three fifty best case scenario. Yeah. I was like, you know The market
0: was coming up, right? Then? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Three ten, I was like, three ten I'll take was the lowest. Yeah. And then I was like, three thirty is like ideal in three fifty best case scenario. And I'm like, I need this thing gone by the end yeah. of May. Because yeah. I had a show booked in Penticton on like yeah. June seventh. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to leave in you the RV and I you. want it all done. Yeah. To quit my job. And then what ended up happening was uh, the house actually sold on May 29th. So two days before I needed it to. Yeah. And it sold for 360. So $10,000 more than I even wanted. And I'm like, this worked out like just everything from the flood to all of it to like pushing me to now do comedy rather than like, I was just going to get in a van and take off to the middle of nowhere. Like, and I'm like, holy man did this. And it's again, that's where that was one of my first times to really learn to like, this seems really bad in the moment, yeah. But embrace it because this is probably going to be the best thing that happened when you look back exactly. in years. And yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about with your like with business. Like you're, it's very admirable what you do, John. Like you have gone through. I read, I read your book uh, against, <laughs> all, against odds all there. Much, yeah. yeah, man. And it's like yeah. it's that archetype where it's like you seem to come up against adversity and like when you're talking about you owned the the hotel
0: yeah what's like
1: yeah what and when you're coming to the end of that and you're having to give up on that
0: yeah what is that like that was very unnatural for me because i never give up right, right. so i'd never give up and but it had happened in watson lake is that uh, you know, I, I became a manager of Watson Lake Lumber, stayed in the motel, and this is entrepreneurial me. The person, the lady that owned the motel, uh, the the motel was called Jack and Mac. Yeah, yeah. Mac was the lady that had the motel and and jack died the year before right. because he had a habit of sitting on the bar all day long and drank too much and one day he fell off the bar yeah, yeah. And, and he was gone and then mac didn't want, didn't have good memories of that and she wanted to get out so that created a situation where if i'm interested in the business the best way to have it there must be a motivated seller motivated buyer and right. then you try to work out a deal so i didn't have much money but I worked out a deal with her that I would sell the motel for her uh, for 75000 get $10,000 commission, and then uh, we got that written down. I went to the bank, lent the $10,000, and then uh, uh, that I would get from her, gave her the down payment, and then I owned the motel. Yeah, and, and that is
1: creative financing. Right?
0: That's what it is. And then... I'm, I make everything bigger, what I have, then there was a small bar that seated about a lounge, seated about 25 people. I built it up to about 150. Yeah, yeah. And And uh, because there was nothing going on in Watson Lake. Lots of people that had lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Men in particular that came from the camps, the, the mining companies all around. And, uh, you know, so the only thing that was to do is go to the bar and drink. Right. And I created a cabaret, we brought in... Uh, uh, music from all over the place and it yeah. was the most popular bar but it was a tough place because uh, you know the uh during the time that i had it uh you know i had it for about five years i had the last year i had two knives pulled on me two i read that two two handguns and one 30-06 oh my god and my first daughter nikki was born in uh uh, 1972 and I knew I would not survive there so uh, you know physically yeah, yeah. and uh, you know so I didn't drink myself but uh, you know it's such a tough place to work at right. so I and I had difficulty selling it so I gave it all away for one dollar that's what I read everything mm-hmm. and uh, you know and then I went back to Prince George started driving forklift truck
1: so were you, did I get it right, at one point you were running a mill, but then you ended up having to go back and work at one? Is that right? Or yeah, so like, I This had, is the point, right? Like you are yeah, managing was, that one, and then now you're back at a forklift.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, here in Pittsburgh, George. I started as cleaner, man, lumber pilot, blah, 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 all the other kind of things. And then there was a mill here, Netherlands Overseas, one of the bigger mills, No, no relationship to me. Uh, you know, the, I started as cleanup man, and then within a year and a half, I was superintendent. Right. And, but that didn't go fast enough for me because I'm going to own a mill. Yes. And then there was an ownership opportunity in Watson Lake where the people that had it were not very good at running it. And they promised me one third of ownership, uh, you know, within five years, if I would manage it for them. Right. And so I went to Watson Lake. Yeah coldest place in Canada. <laughs> For a guy from Holland, 62 below. Yeah, the oh It snows my God. in July and yeah. you don't know if it is late or early. Yeah. You know, that kind of a place. Yeah,
1: yeah, just the sun's up the whole time. Yeah. And
0: and uh, in an event, uh, you know, the, uh, so the, the people that had the mill were not as motivated as I was in terms of building it up. And then this there's this things with the motel I gave everything away and started over anew. Went back to Prince George yeah. for, for the same mill actually. Uh, initially driving for the truck for a month or two. Then they had a problem in their accounting department. I became, became a cost account. Very quickly I was uh, sales manager. Yeah. And then in 1975 I wrote a business plan for Brink Forest Products. Uh, you know, which I started incorporated in July of 1975 started operating in October With uh, $25,000 lent money from the bank. Yeah, and, uh, and that was
1: very hard for you to get. Is that correct? Yeah, like I do
0: that's I read that in there and I've honestly been drawing
1: from that for you because that's where so I just Incorporated so I've yeah. just incorporated like two weeks ago. Yeah, because that's what so experiment called life yeah. that has now of like i'm like okay i could see the business side of this so i yeah. turned it into now ecl productions yeah and i just ran a sole proprietor for three years and then yeah. now it's been growing and i'm like kate incorporate yeah and now i'm putting together a business plan i'm trying yeah. to figure out you know startups like yeah. how do startups get financing how do you do this yeah and i read your book and i'm like you'd never quit like to no. me it sounds like you got to the point because you would go into the every bank in town every
0: week and then they kept coming up with and that's the key, Alex. I wrote the business plan. Yes. This is a good place, business plan. I dropped it off at virtually all the banks. Most yep. of them turned me down very rapidly. Yeah, yep. Focused at the end at two other ones. And then both go down to the loan officer that was kind of handi- handling me as a client and say, what can I change? The problem that I had, I had lots of ideas but no money. Exactly. You that's... know, and to saw the sawmill, yeah. uh, you know, was 25000 doesn't happen, right, easily. So... Especially uh,
1: back then, what would
0: that have been today? Like, that'd be a couple hundred
1: thousand, you think? Or
0: like maybe that, you know, something like so that. Anyway, but, yeah. but even then, I, what I was doing is, was leasing the property and then uh, lease the forklift truck, and all these things were, yeah. in, you had to be innovative, right? So, right. and then uh, started off with three employees, worked as long as I could stay awake 24 seven, uh you know and did everything uh run the forklift truck uh repair the machines go to the bank find money and at the same time sell lumber buy lumber i did all of it you yeah. know, and uh you know and then obviously today uh 47 years later we have Mills here in Prince George we have Van der Vanderhoof, Houston we employ over 400 people yeah and and we plan to double in size in the next four years you know so That's amazing uh, and that is just the lumber side then we also do uh, warehousing and logistics as another silo and the other silo is uh, real estate residential commercial and industrial right but uh, coming back to the the dropping off of the uh, the uh, business plan yes. so I got Then I started focusing on the Royal Bank in particular. And I, again, this was probably the 12th time I went down there. I didn't want to piss, being blunt, (laughs) piss the guy up too much that he said, get out of here. No, but again, doing what he said I should be doing. And uh, how about this? How about that? And and, and then he said, uh, okay, let me talk to the manager. And there used to be those cubicles, you know, about four or five of them in a row. And he said, I'll go talk to... uh, uh, the manager, John Reams, and uh, I said, okay, and I'm sitting there like, mm, you know, and then I heard all the way, four cubicles over, say, give him the money, give him the money. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so sick. Yeah, I dude. had the money. Yeah, but yeah. wasn't
1: it your thought of the finger jointing that made that possible? Is that S1, correct no?
0: Likely, nobody was doing it, so right. nobody knew what it was, so it was not something that I could say, we're going to do that compared to this. Nobody did it. Right. But what I did have is that uh, I had lots of experience, yeah, you yes. know, so, uh, you know, both in Holland and and here. And, and I had been uh, s- superintendent of one of the larger mills and then manager of another mill in the Yukon. Right. So I had the experience. Yeah. And then the other part is that I had already... I had a good, solid business plan. Actually, uh, the people that work around me, if they look at my business plan today, they said they can't imagine, because whatever I had in there, we're still following it virtually today. Not necessarily going to the plan, but basically the concept. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, so... uh, uh, so, and then I was innovative in terms of how do I get the equipment? How do I do this? $25,000 was not much. No, then it doesn't either. go far. Yeah, you know, yeah. but, and then after about three months, I had lost 50000 on top of the yeah. 25000 So every time a car drove by at River Road, uh, you know then I said, "Oh my god, that's the maybe the bank manager drives in and says, uh, "Okay, John, the gig is over. Give me the keys, yeah, but he did They stayed yeah. with me, and I made some money in the first year, and then from there and then gradually got bigger. right. The book against all odds is not so much about hurrah, hurrah, John he's so successful, but it is about that adversity and dealing with difficult situations like uh I, I i when i started that i had no idea that i had adhd right but what i did know i failed grade three yeah. and i failed grade seven three times yeah and i started working as a as a laborer when i was 14. yeah even the coveralls didn't fit me i had to roll them up yeah and yeah, the yeah. crotch was hanging by my knees <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is modern now but it wasn't then. <laughs> modern back then <laughs> yeah, yeah these kids you know. these days so and then, uh, you know, the, I, I was born in 1940 in Holland, Northwestern Holland, and it was during the war years. And, yeah. and it was a tough go, you know. We yeah, had oh, yeah. read winter. the thing about the blowing up the bridge. Yeah, oh, right in front dead? of our house. Yeah, we dude. saw far too much that as kids we should not have seen. And uh, you so know, my like question, that I had a, been,
1: a question for you about. So I always hear people say, if you have a strong enough, why? you can survive anyhow if you want if you have a strong enough why you can survive anyhow yeah so it's always like you know like how do you get this done and when i hear people talk about like why why are you doing what you do and they say it has to be bigger than you cuz if yeah. you're doing it for you eventually you're going to run into something that's much bigger than you and tougher than you and you're going to quit yeah so what i wanted to know from you John is like what was your why when you're going through that adversity like when that when you have like especially when the industry turned against you, yeah, that must have been a very hard time. Or when you're They're and you're feeling to, like you're almost bankrupt in your five out. five
0: arsons, yeah, you know, and dude, people
1: lighting your house on it, like, yeah. When and, you're doing yeah. that, what do you draw from to be able to get through that? Like, what do you think? Like, I, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for like boundless what? determination,
0: and and that and that was to pursue my goal and my passion. You know, what I wanted, my dream was to build a lumber mill. Right. That, you know, that's when I left Holland. I had two dreams. The one was to go to Canada because when we were liberated by the Canadians, April the 12th, 1945, and it made such an impression on me that I always knew I wanted to go to Canada from that age forward to the land of my heroes. Right, okay. The next one was... There was no question in my mind about that since i was five years old yeah. the other one was that uh you know my dad worked in the lumber industry my grandfather although i never knew him he died when he was young but his work that he had done was a master carpenter and a furniture maker and uh you know and i always knew i wanted to go into the lumber yeah. and uh you know so and then the other part is because i failed grade three and then failed grade seven three times I felt I was a failure, right. And, and uh, you know, and then let, we didn't know about ADHD. And then after the third time failing grade seven, you know, the challenge was: should we send them to the mentally challenged school, I... or do we get them a job? Well, fortunately, yeah. they got me a job. And then uh, you know, when it came to making the decision. To leave, I was going to leave when I was 17, but I was drafted into the Dutch Air Force. Yeah, uh, wanted to be a pilot, but it didn't happen. I ended up in special forces. Can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, in any event, that was good training anyway. And yeah. then worked again for the largest importer of Western Europe, West uh, Willem between 21 and 24, and and came from the bottom in their their auditing department right to and a senior level in the auditing side but even then every time somebody introduced me meet the son of Brink my dad that was one of their managers right and I wanted to do it on my own yeah, yeah so yeah. then I, I made up my mind I was going to leave yeah to to, ca- to go to Canada to British Columbia that's where the lumber is I'm going to leave and take 150 dollars Canadian and then couldn't speak the language, didn't know. Dude, uh, yeah, I read that. You're in yeah. Vancouver trying I, to figure it out. Yeah. And then talked to a German fellow in the immigration department who said, who I told I could speak German and, and who I explained to I wanted to build a lumber mill. And he said, "Pinshorts." Yeah, right away. You got go to go to Pinshorts. Yeah, shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're building pelt mills and sawmills. And so that's what I want. And then when I came off the bus here, about two blocks away from us here, I had in my pocket twenty five dollars forty seven cents
1: yeah
0: and uh and and a suitcase with uh, uh uh three books, a set of clothes and and uh you know and that's all I had with me and then uh you know the uh but and then I had to find a job and then uh, I became a lumber pilot, that's how it all started a cleaner man lumber yeah. pilot, and then gradually uh accelerated in one of the companies that I worked for here you know
1: yeah. Awesome. So but, it was but, always, I guess, there, so when you're going through a hard time and you're sitting there trying to figure out what to do, you would just draw from being uh, wanting that vision, like that not giving up on. But why? So I guess why did you want the lumber mill? Was because Canada was your hero. And then you your see, dad
0: was. I wanted to go someplace, Alex, that somebody didn't ask me, okay, show me all you diplomas. Right. Nobody has ever asked me that here. Right, right. You know, so that if I failed grade seven, I was ashamed of it, right? Right. You know, in grade three, you know, so the, nobody knew about ADAC. So I guess it would be
1: like a, would you
0: say like a... A new beginning. Right. I had to prove to myself that, yes, I can do that. Right, I so knew you had to prove yourself worth to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was 150 when I left Holland. By the time I made $25.47, I knew I was going to build a lumber mill yeah, it's yeah. not if but when when yeah and i was in a hurry yeah you know so that's how i ended up in watson lake yeah. virtually within two years yeah and being a manager of a mill you yeah, know? yeah yeah
1: that's amazing that's uh yeah i think that's uh that's the drive you need you got to figure yeah. out. like that's i don't know i always think of uh you know i, I want to give my family everything you know like whenever I just think about it and I'm like, okay, I want to, dude, I want to get my, buy my mom a bunch of stuff, you know, and make it so that they never have to worry about money ever again. And my niece and nephew.
0: That's all good stuff. You're
1: struggling. You're like, I always think of my family. Because the thing is, I don't really care for, for it. You're like, I, like, I love what I do. Like what I'm doing now. You're like, I just want to do it on a bigger scale. Well, that's the,
0: the underlying issue is that's why I want to write the book about finding your passion Mm -hmm. because it's so critically important that you have that because then what I usually do in the mornings, I usually get up at 5.30 in the mornings and I'm in a hurry, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to go to work. And then the other thing that I always do when I get up, I always make my bed and always just before I walk out of my bedroom, I kind of look back and kind of straighten it out. Maybe there's my army or my air force time, but I always do that, but I enjoy going to work yeah even here. when things are a challenge that's
1: what i always say to people now people ask me if it was worth it and i say like it honestly i feel like i'm on drugs all day long because yeah, i yeah. wake up from the moment i wake up i'm yeah, like yeah. energized you're like let's go and yeah, same yeah. thing i'm very i do too uh everything has to be squared you probably can see my phone's probably squared up over there with that I in know. my backpack with my sunglasses <laughs> everything i do i'm like everything has I this little it. spot I'd, with its I'd, stuff I'd,
0: yeah, I do the same
1: thing. And then I get to my computer, and I'm like, let's write. And yeah. I, I set very strict time, like 15 minutes, yeah. where I'm like, yeah. you're just writing, and you yeah. have nothing else. And then I go from there, I go into 15 yeah. minutes of joke writing, yeah. and then I prioritize, like, okay, now it's this is business time. And yeah. I go to the gym, and then I come back, this is business time. And then after dinner, it's like, now this is comedy time. Yeah. And then you're like, get to bed, and... Uh, I'm excited to get to fall asleep because I'm like, dude, yeah. tomorrow I can wake
0: up and let's go like yeah, let's... and I do the same thing, yeah and... you know so the uh and and then uh you know discovering a d h d to me was a whole new experience uh you know, I was diagnosed uh, you know I first found out when I found a book in the bookstore here, and I opened it i don't read too many books, and when I saw it i uh Uh, driven to distraction, I said, it's me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I wrote it in the book uh, in Dutch, actually. Yeah. You know, and then... Well, uh,
1: I see you're on TikTok now. Is that terrifying for you? You're like, you could just get stuck in that rabbit hole or what? Or do you get out of there quick?
0: I don't know, you know, I don't do much on, on TikTok. Other people do it for me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can't, I, I sometimes can't even find it myself. I say, <laughs> Where am I? You said, well, you're very popular. Apparently, I said, well, no, I don't know. That's so funny, John. Yeah. That, uh,
1: what yeah. was it? That was good. Oh, it's cool. you having a podcast. It's so cool. I got a buddy. He's a comedian. He's very, he's very funny, Dan Duval, And he's like, you know, he's like my mom. She's 80 years old and she has a podcast. He's like, how cool is that? Uh, the only thing is, to listen to it, you have to have uh, the password to my voicemail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the,
1: so, that yeah. makes it very limited. Yeah, so he's just talking about how his mom always phones and then just leaves these long messages. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's so funny. But you're actually 80 and have a podcast. Like, you're, yeah. you're very, dude, you're still going after it. Yeah. Well, in yours, what, what keeps you going? Like, you've already, don't, do you ever feel like, that's another thing I think about. Because the way that you're talking about, you knew you were going to have a sawmill. Yeah. I know I'm gonna be very very successful yeah, I, sure. I think ECL Productions is going to become the biggest yeah. production company in Canada yeah we do the best we produce the best comedy shows I would like anywhere exactly. and I know that and I know that we're gonna be very successful yeah. and the thing that I keep thinking about is when you get that like once you've won the race like you don't like they always say don't be thinking about like money and cars and clothes. No. like you're gonna get that yeah but once you have that how do you keep going so for you like what is it that keeps driving you like i'm you... not
0: there yet yeah what do you look so and it will go further higher further further you just want a bigger sawmill Yeah, uh, not a bigger yeah and, and, and a different company and uh you know we are building on the three silos in particular yeah the sawmill will double in size so will the real estate and the uh uh, uh you know the warehousing yeah, uh, you know that's uh, is uh, very active, yeah. and I see all kinds of opportunities. And uh, it's not money that drives me, but right. it's to make it successful and let it grow, yeah. let it grow. We have an amazing team of people, and it's 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 it's, it's uh, a beehive that is a massive amount of activity, <laughs> and I just love it. You yeah, know, so I do. Well, I've seen your desk and your TikToks
1: there and stuff. It, a lot of papers, a lot of stuff going on everywhere.
0: And then I go to the gym uh, just before we interviewed. Uh, I was at the gym. We go with Kendall yeah, with Kendall because yeah, she's yeah. a friend i've yeah. known Kendall uh, the both of us won actually five years ago we were competing for the uh, 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 the the b c championships yeah yeah together it, right? and then we ended up uh, you know the uh, placing for the nationals and the arnolds and yeah uh, you know, so and again now I'm training again for the nationals and the Arnold's. You know, so yeah. and hopefully in eighty uh, in 2023 when I'm 83, yeah. I I'm already sure, virtually sure that I'm the oldest competitive bodybuilder in the province. You know, That's
1: so. amazing. And still, just keep going after it. Yeah, and it's just, and see, I think that's the thing. Like, I think when you find your thing, it's just every day is enjoy it. Exactly, like you're out there and you're chasing it, and it's never there like is the no goal. End the outcome is never the thing, right? Like that was. Yeah. I got some really good. I heard some really good advice from a guy Inky Johnson, and he talks about falling in love with the process. Yeah. And he goes, "I love the process." He goes, I "It's not even it. about the outcome for me." I, He's I like, agree. It's just, I agree. Like you just. And that was the thing that changed for me a lot was like all the milestones and that, they just seem to start kind of coming as a result of the pros. But it's like, I love getting up and writing like those jokes. I write jokes every day and put them online. And
0: and what then happens, Alex, you, you, you will create the image that you love what you're doing. That's why you're so good at what you're doing because people will see that it's no no different with public speaking when i make a presentation someplace yeah, yeah and i do lots of them then uh what they will remember is not so much of what i said but what i look like and how i conducted myself right because it gives that sense of confidence right?
1: yes well that's the thing you know that something that changed for me in comedy was they say um people remember how you made them feel yeah and that was the number the one thing. I started realizing, realize, I'm like, hey, what am I doing with comedy? And I'm like, well, I'm selling you on a feeling. Yeah. Like, when you come to my show, I promise you'll leave there feeling better than when you got there. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm going to make you feel happy and good yeah. and positive about the world. So exactly. I, I've realized now, like I kind of, like I described as like a happiness cheerleader. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to leave and I'm going to make you feel better than yeah. before you were. And then yeah. it's just kind of... I think life seems to be a lot of that, all about feeling. Like, how you feel is the most important thing, man. And I think for your book, for the passion thing, that's why I always tell people, when people are like, how do you find your thing? I always said, start paying attention to your energy levels. Exactly. That's what I started doing. I started yep. noticing, dude, like, you get me talking about comedy? Like, look, yeah. I start sitting up in my chair and I'm like, I'm, yeah, my eyes get bigger. Sure. And I'm like, the, like I, business is doing that for me now. Like, yeah. I've never was really into business. I kind of didn't like it because I was very against money. I thought money was the root of evil and all of that.
0: It's not about that.
1: And then I got into business and I was like, this isn't about money. This is about growing and creating something. And then you start getting... A team of people around you, and you're like they're yeah. passionate about what they do, and then exactly. you're like, how do I get the most out of them? How do I encourage it, them exactly. to pursue what they want to do? Exactly. And then you start getting these people around you that are driven. Exactly, and you you're like I want to be around more of you guys. Exactly, and let's, let's see what we can do here. And, and that's what I tell people. I say yeah. like, when I start talking about the pulp mill, I would get like, lethar- I'm just like, oh yeah, the <laughs> yeah. mill. Like you know, just talk <laughs> yeah. about my job. And yeah, I'm like. Those were the things that therapy did. They're like, what, what makes you, like, self-introspection? Yeah. They're like, what makes you tired? Yeah. And I was like, oh, talking
0: about the mill. Like, yeah. and it's exactly. like, what energizes you? I'm
1: like, doing comedy.
0: Like, Yeah, exactly. Can't wait until the next one, right? Yeah. 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 So, that then being said, you know, I'm, I, I always knew you were an interesting individual because of You've done so many things, and then you went through this transition of going from something that you was looking for, it's precisely what will be in my book about those kind of things, and then going into uh, comics or being a comedian and finding your dream there and your success, and I'm sure of that. Yeah. And, then, uh, you know, and, and uh, obviously I appreciate meeting with you oh and it made me feel much better as well oh, now thanks, i got john. to know you so much better oh thank
1: you john Alex. thank you so much for having me man My i pleasure. really appreciate your time and everything you're doing mm-hmm. man you should be yeah. very proud it's very admirable and we should stay in touch of yeah. course 100 yeah. percent. i would yeah. love that john thank you cool thank you